Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Penn State Prehealth Podcast. This week, we are diving into a pathway for our students that just love eyeballs and eyesight and all things visual and optometry. So we are breaking apart the early assurance program that Penn State Everly College of Science has with Salus University, which is the uh, Pennsylvania College of Optometry. So it's a wonderful program that we have. Uh, We've had it for quite a while and we believe it's a little underutilized. So we wanted to do an episode that talked about it so that you could think about, hmm, is this perhaps a good pathway for me? So let's get right into it this week for the Penn State Pre-Health Podcast. Hi, everybody. This is Kimberly Johnson here again. Today, we're going to talk about the early admission program. For those of you interested in optometry, this one is at the University of Pennsylvania College of Optometry. SALIS is what it is known by informally and nice and short and sweet. (laughs) So we just like to say sort of the... the, uh, EAP at SALIS or Mm -hmm. the optometry program at SALIS. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of, it's a lot of syllables. It's a lot of words. I'm looking at it right now and the full name is, is like two typewritten lines here on our page. So (laughs) it's long. It's long. Um, but it's a great program. It's a really good program. And I don't see that many people applying to it. No, I think I've worked with one in my time at Penn State. And it's wild because it's a Pennsylvania optometry program. Mm-hmm. It's a great program. Mm-hmm. It's an opportunity to get that early admission set up for yourself, yeah. which who doesn't love that? Yeah, I think in it, there's not a ton of schools of optometry in the country, right? So it's not like you're, it's not, I think of like with Penn State College of Medicine and Rutgers, like you have to be able to justify why that institution so heavily because there's so fewer optometry schools, there's less of that burden. It's more about why optometry. Yeah. And then it's like, well, if you're from Pennsylvania, then Salus is obviously a really great option for you if yeah. if your intent is to stay local-ish yeah. to and, home. And a lot of our students do. Now, obviously, mm-hmm. if you're from other parts of the country, like maybe this isn't as good of a fit for you. But if you are regional. Even not Regional, just Pennsylvania, yeah. especially when you're considering how few optometry programs there are. Yeah. So if you're from New Jersey, Maryland, D.C., Virginia, New York, those are all really great locations to still be a good applicant for this early assurance program. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's 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 a good fit for a much broader set of our students than I think originally consider it. And I think part of that is because a lot of students don't really have an extensive idea of what optometry is. And that is a discussion for a future podcast where we'll break apart that discipline. Optometry and ophthalmology. What are the differences? I had to answer that student, uh, that question for a student the other day. Um, So let's talk about why optometry just briefly, since we know that this is sort of underutilized. Yeah. Let's give people an idea of why they might consider optometry. Yeah, I mean, it's sort of like with a lot of health professions, I think there's a lot of different pathways to bring you in. 
but with optometry in particular, I think that there's some decent similarities to dental school, right? But we live in a very visual driven society, not just the United States. Like I'm not saying like it's just a U.S. thing, but as like a 2023 global society, we're very visually driven, right? If we think about the majority of our marketing, it's visual marketing. A lot of how people describe and interact with the world is visually driven and being able to interact with that world in as best way as possible makes a huge difference in people's lives. It's the difference between achieving you know, personal fulfillment and professional success and really struggling because the accommodations for, for vision are not stupendous. So if you're like, if you're someone that's like, that's garbage, but I want to help people be able to interact with our world in the best way possible, this is a really great way to do that. So that could be a really great entry point in optometry. I have heard it described as a really family friendly mm-hmm. um, area to work in. Yes. So if you are looking to work with patients and to improve people's lives, but having a good work-life balance is important mm-hmm. to you, a true nine to five, as they say, mm-hmm. um, optometry could be the line of work for you. Yeah. Um, I, I can see way more circumstances in dentistry where you're going to have emergencies. And most people think of that as a really great option for a better work-life balance. You know, I hear that for a lot of other health professions, but with an optometrist in particular, there's not really that true emergency that's like earth shattering. Is it an inconvenience to not have your glasses? Yeah, but ideally you should have an old pair (laughs) or at least a spare. And there's a lot of eye emergencies that you would just go straight to the emergency room for if you're Mm -hmm. very, very concerned. And then they would advise you from there. But we have such a wonderful um, eyeglass store here in State College right Mm -hmm. downtown. And I love speaking with them because they're just so enthusiastic about what they do. Mm -hmm. But they're so enthusiastic, too, about optometry and um, the specialty itself and how it's developing and Mm -hmm. the lifestyle that allows it that it allows you to live. Yeah. Um, It's really nice popping in there and Mm -hmm. just saying hi. And I really appreciate uh, how often they're willing to employ our students um, and give them some of that initial experience that helps mm-hmm. them decide whether or not this is the path for them. Yeah. So if, you, if you're looking to explore things, being an optometrist assistant is a great, great first step. One, it's a job. So even if you're not like super thrilled, you know, at least make some money. Yeah. But then know that that's maybe not something that you want to do long term. And it's the same with every health profession. That though. is similar to dentistry, too, is that uh, it's an area where it is relatively easy to get an actual paid job mm-hmm. to go get some of that experience and decide if it's right for you rather than having to purely shadow. Yeah. Uh, it, and there's, it, that's not to say that the shadowing isn't important, but it's the value of having that paid employment and having a specific responsibility and purview in the office gives you such a greater sense of what the dynamic of that profession is really like. Um, I, I, I say that often with my students that are pursuing pharmacy is that it's 
pretty easy to become a pharmacy tech. And it's a wonderful introduction to, oh, this is what this is really like. As, and that's usually with a community pharmacist, which is just one type of pharmacist. But And we never want you to start down an educational path without first taking the time to really confirm and verify that mm-hmm. you're going to like the actual job, yeah. not just the idea of it and not being a patient of that particular mm-hmm. kind of person. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's very different. Mm-hmm. Okay, so back to Salus specifically, their early admission program. Um so the requirements are pretty straightforward, um, mm-hmm. right in line with a lot of the other requirements that we see. Yeah. So they're looking for um, a student who has a GPA, a cumulative GPA of 3.5 or above. Yeah. So you should be a good student. You should be a good student. Um, you should have completed your first year English. Which... You're going to have finished during your first year. Absolutely. (laughs) And then they're looking for you to have completed at least eight of their sort of longer list of preparatory courses and requirements. Uh, And you'll pick up more of those as you go along, but they want to see eight of them uh, when you're applying so Mm -hmm. that they can really evaluate what sort of candidate you are. And this is essentially just picking up on, you know, if you're in a life science degree. Um, This is picking up sort of your basic math, like at Penn State, math 140 or 141. Mm -hmm. And then starting off with your initial biology and chemistry courses, physics, and then um, proceeding into organic chemistry. And then there's some little bits of variation from there. So Mm -hmm. maybe a psychology course or a microbiology course Mm -hmm. or perhaps a higher level statistics course. But all of these fit right in Mm -hmm. with some of our science majors. Yeah. Pretty much every life science major, this is sort of what your first two years ago. First two years right there. Yeah. So you're not having to jump through any, you know, unusual hoops. Mm Mm-hmm. And you really just need to be able to tell them why optometry Mm -hmm. and base that off of some lived experience, Mm -hmm. not just an idea in your head. That's always the big thing here is based off of lived experience. Why do you want to go to school to become X, Y, Z, in this case, an optometrist? Yeah. And why do you want to commit so early to this one institution? Mm -hmm. You know, with all early assurance, that's really the big grand unifier of the students who are ultimately successful in these processes and the students that struggle is the students that are very easily able to articulate why this individual school is the best fit for you are the ones that tend to be the most successful in the programs. So yeah, it's a huge part of it for sure. Now, depending on your major, this might look a little bit different. A quick reminder that this is a College of Science agreement. So you have to be an Everly College of Science student at University Park. There are some agreements at some other campuses for other optometry programs. Barrand, for example, has one. And probably in a future episode, we'll bring someone in from Barron to talk about their early assurance programs. And hopefully, if you're listening to this and you're at another university or maybe you're still in high school and thinking about your options, mm-hmm. this gives you a basic overview of the courses that you would want to start with mm-hmm. at any 
undergraduate institution 100%. if you are considering optometry. Now, of course, you can find a more robust list of prerequisites online, but if you just happen to be tuning in, you know, starting off with your basic calculus entry level, um, but for majors, mm -hmm. biology and chemistry courses, you're going to, going to have a great foundation in your first year. Yeah, just thinking about the courses that make up that science GPA, right? Mm -hmm. Biology, chemistry, physics, math. That's what they want to see. They, they're looking at your science GPA pretty significantly for the most part. Now, the important thing with these um, types of prereqs is different schools are going to be more and less flexible with certain types of course credits. So with this agreement at Salus, and this is true at a lot of optometry schools, if you're going to use AP or IB credits, and they're a little bit unique in that they're open to IB credits, uh, you need to understand that likely you're going to need to take additional upper level courses at your college. So you shouldn't, it's fine if you do some dual enrollment at some higher level, but what they're looking for is how you're performing at your undergraduate institution. Because it's one thing to be successful in a high school environment where there's a lot of reinforcement and like they take a lot of responsibility for making so many of their, sure, so many of their students pass. Whereas in college, it's like, these are the standards you pass or you don't. You bear the responsibility in college. It's up to you to do well. Exactly. And it's a, it's a big shift and they want to see how you do in that environment because when you get to optometry school, that's the situation. No handholding. Yeah. So they don't make exceptions to these policies and these requirements. These are hardline requirements. If you're like, I really want to apply, but I have a 3.49999999 GPA, I'm sorry, sister, but that's not a 3.5. They're not rounding up. It has to be a pure 3.5 or higher. And that's tough. That's okay, though. Tough can still be fair. Well, you can still go to optometry school without oh, yeah. being accepted into an early admissions program. Yeah. It's not the only way to go down this path and yeah. a 3.499999 mm -hmm. in many other situations is perfectly acceptable. We, When we have a specific program like this, we have to lay out very mm -hmm. clear guidelines and rules because mm -hmm. we have to have some way of sort of um, narrowing down that pool of applicants and yeah. finding who's most suitable. Yeah. And, and you, from the school's perspective, if they're going to reserve a seat from you, these are the expectations that they set to say, hey, a few years from now, I won't be admitting this many students because I'm reserving a seat from someone who hasn't even finished their undergrad. Who yet. hasn't totally proven themselves. Exactly. We're taking a chance on you. Yeah. So is this always 100% necessarily fair? Not necessarily. Is it? A high expectation, yeah, 100%, especially for optometry school. These are very high metrics to, to seat. I think it's fair, though, when we consider that you're asking for a special kind of admission. Exactly. You're asking for extra liberty and privilege mm -hmm. to be able to go about your last two years mm -hmm. and um, take a wider variety of courses than you might have been able to otherwise, have time for other interests that you mm -hmm. might have. So you're saying... I know that I'm applying earlier and with fewer prerequisite courses than your typical students. Fewer experiences. Fewer experiences. I'm younger. I have less lived experience. Yeah. And so um, 
you're going to say, I know that I'm going to have to prove myself at a higher level. And basically, you're earning that privilege of the next two years to have more flexibility and freedom. Yeah, because a lot of our students on these pathways don't see things like study abroad or being able to do these really intensive summer research or internship programs as things that they can do because you have to balance, especially with the application cycle. That's intense. Mm -hmm. Applying to the health professions. Labor intensive. (laughs) It's like a full-time job. And one of those full-time jobs, like you, you can't apply from somewhere else. It's very difficult to, for example, do study abroad during the summer Mm -hmm. and still keep up with all of the things that you need to do to apply Mm -hmm. and still have that same robust study abroad experience. You could do it because everything's on the internet, but are you going to have that same study abroad experience if you're constantly flipping your focus back to what's going on at home and with the application? You're making sacrifices in both pieces of this part of your experience. And you don't, If you don't want to have to sacrifice, this can be a good way to accomplish that, especially if you feel like Salus is a great place for you. So hopefully in this coming year, maybe we'll see a few more um, Salus EAP applicants. Yeah. So if you are listening to this episode of the podcast, you're thinking, hmm, maybe this is for me. This sounds interesting. Um, you'll be notified in early spring of your sophomore year if you're eligible to apply. You won't be notified if you're eligible to apply. You'll be notified that you are eligible to apply. Yes. Clarification. That's a very important clarification. If if you have met sort of the GPA requirement and the uh, preparatory coursework requirement and you are a sophomore, then our office will send you an email in the spring that notifies you that this program is open for application and you are eligible to apply. Yes. So all of our early assurance programs, they, we sort of let you know all at the same time. Mm-hmm. So you might also get something that's like, and, and dentistry or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, medicine. Uh, but, uh, you know, our optometry program is included in that nice little group of stuff. So, so you're going to get that application. Oh, well, you're going to get notified that you're eligible. What you do then is you request the application from Dr. Melissa Krasiewicz, who is, who oversees those early assurance programs. She's our our fearless fearless leader. leader. (laughs) (laughs) And so what she'll do is she'll send you the application materials. If you would like assistance in crafting those materials, there are four very happy individuals that would love to help you out with that. Uh, Kimberly and myself included, Mm -hmm. our colleagues, Mark and Dave. I love working with early assurance students. It's fun. You know, because it's it's students that are so motivated on just a different level. They're just enjoyable students to work with. I really like the EAP students. They they know what they have to do, and they've taken the time to do that. Because they know that they're kind of putting themselves out there to be judged, sort of, a lot earlier than their peers are. Mm -hmm. And so they've usually been very serious and deliberate about their preparations. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And I think also sometimes they come in a little bit more lighthearted because they have that confidence that I've put in the time here. Yeah. I know what I want to do and I'm ready for it. Mm -hmm. So let's put in this application. You know, there's a certain amount, like a little bit of a thrill, I think, Mm -hmm. for them at at knowing that they're ready to do this. Yeah. And the application looks really similar to a lot of our early, early, early assurance applications, right? I think if you took out the like identifying term of like optometry or dentistry Uh or something, they would. They're very similar, right? (laughs) So we're going to pull some biographical data. We're going to get your academic data um, and they'll hold for your spring semester schedule. So if you're in the process of completing some of these prereq courses, you can still be eligible. And they'll just pull the your transcripts and grades at the end of that semester. So that's when it's you need to have a 3.5 at the beginning of that junior or sorry, spring of your sophomore year semester. And at the end of it, you need to maintain above a three five or higher across that term. And then there's usually probably two ish essay questions. Mm-hmm. Yep, they vary from program. That's where you are going to see the most variance in the programs. But you will almost always see a question about why early assurance specifically. Mm-hmm. And what are you going to do with this time? Right. So you know, that's another big piece of this, right? Again, we, we've sort of covered this idea that like you're being granted this privilege to have this additional time. You're not stressy pantsing over this intense application year, right? We're really simplifying a lot of the stress and anxiety of that process. So what is, what are you going to bring into our school? You know, two years from that date, who is the part, who are are you becoming? Which is like one of my favorite concepts that Kimberly brought to the office is this idea of students becoming something that they wanna be. That's your essay to give them an idea of who you see yourself becoming by the time you start there. What are the skills, backgrounds, lived life that you're going to have to enrich that cohort? Maybe you're going to have a chance to do some really interesting research Mm -hmm. or like we talked about earlier, go study abroad Mm -hmm. and have that sort of more varied and eclectic life view than you Mm -hmm. might have had otherwise. What's interesting about these applications is if we think about the students who are attempting to matriculate directly out of undergrad, because of how the application services are structured, it freezes and takes a snapshot of you at the end of your junior year. With early assurance applications, yes, you're applying a year sooner, but you get to give a more longitudinal view of who you are likely to be by the end of those four years. You have the opportunity to forecast into the future, whereas in a traditional application, it's like, here's who I am at this exact moment, and there's less of that future fortune telling. I love the aspirational element of this. Yeah. Um, this idea of I'm getting bonus time. Yeah. And if I get this bonus time, what am I going to do with it? Mm -hmm. What kind of interesting young person am I going to start um, forming myself into? Mm -hmm. What minor could I pick up? Or is there some sort of like really fascinating job opportunity that I want to be able to take advantage of? Mm -hmm. Um, There's, I mean, it's so freeing to not be tied to this really strict application cycle Mm -hmm. and this snapshot picture of who you are at that exact moment and to be able to speak more sort of 
with fewer boundaries and limitations Mm -hmm. about your hopes and dreams for your future. Yeah, there's a freedom in this application that you don't necessarily get in the traditional primary application for OptomCast. So it's it's a yeah, it's it's it is certainly a, a blessing in many ways and it's a curse in others. When you talk about who you're looking to become, it can't come out of nowhere. No. You're not going to mystically become a new person. So when you're thinking about how to approach that type of essay in particular, think about the things that you've done in the past. And what are the decisions that those experiences are causing you to want to make in the future? This is not the point to be like, I'm going to be a Rhodes Scholar and I'm going to walk the entire length of the Great Wall of China and I'm going to go over Niagara Falls in a barrel. Like, that's not what we're saying you should do here. It's saying like, I had this experience. I didn't think I would have the time and opportunity to do something with the National Institutes of Health over summer because I'd be applying then. But now I can go and I can do that. And isn't that like an amazing experience? Or I want to go and do a summer in Eastern Europe doing like um, eye exams for people in like rural areas that don't have access. Like we had this student that... like one of the most humble students I think have, has ever come through our office, but he did like eyeglass drives for people in Eastern Europe and wasn't even going to put it on his application because it wasn't quote unquote clinically related. Okay. <laughs> like what? I mean, even, no. if it's, <laughs> even if it's not clinically related. So say, um, okay, we'll go with Eastern Europe here. Say you uh, grew up speaking Polish. Yeah but you'd never had your own chance to travel to Poland. Mm-hmm. And there's a study abroad trip that would allow you to spend a semester in Poland and really sort of firm up your language skills mm-hmm. and get to know the culture better. That is an okay thing to put on there. It doesn't have to be perfectly related mm-hmm. to optometry or you know any of these other specialties yeah. where you're applying EAP. They're excited to hear that you have interests and dreams as an individual. Yeah. And these are ways of connecting with other people in the future. So you have someone walk into your office who's maybe has an eye phobia and is really nervous. They know they need an eye exam, mm-hmm. but it makes them so anxious. Um, and you have some, you find some common ground and some mm-hmm. similar interests that you can resort to, to help put them at ease and get mm-hmm. them talking and, and help them manage that anxiety a bit. Yeah. It's all good stuff. Yeah. You can be this is an opportunity to be aspirational, but also to think about how you can perhaps in the future be inspirational to others too. It's very, I love, yeah. I keep coming back to that. I love these students, but it's, it's, we get to crystal ball with them a little bit. Whereas again, with our regular traditional applicants, it's more of a snapshot. It's a photograph. And this one's more like madam. Well, they're always running to the crystal ball lady from Haunted Mansion. No idea. Oh, no. I don't know, but Jamie Lee Curtis plays her in the new one. <laughs> well, they're always running. The traditional applicants are always running to keep up. Yep. Because they can't ever pause mm-hmm. because when they present that snapshot, they have to be able, able to relate everything and have all of these experiences that back up taking all of this time to get to this point. Mm-hmm. Whereas with the EAP, you you've met 
their requirements. Yep. You have this time and they want to see how you're going to use this time in ways that are unique to your own mm-hmm. interests and values and goals. So yeah. it doesn't, you, know, you don't have to say, I'm going to use this time to keep doing the exact things that I've already been doing. I mean, there can be some element of that and they want to know that you're going to mm-hmm. stay engaged with um, optometry, mm-hmm. but they also want to see you develop more as an individual. Yeah. You get to provide that interstitium, the connective tissue. Oh, it's fancy. My, it's my favorite organ in the body. It's the interstitium. All right. Because, you know, I'm growing up, and I'm sure you probably heard this too, everybody was like, oh, the skin's the largest organ in the body. Got to take care of it. A couple years ago, they were like, psych, skin's not the largest organ in the body anymore. It's wow. actually your interstitium. Gonna have to go learn more about that. Yes, it's all the it's all the it's the connective system in your body that connects everything else together. I see. Okay, I'm gonna go look that up. Mm-hmm. Do we have anything more about Salus? Or I think that that's it for this particular early assurance program. You know, this is a very straightforward one. This one makes a lot of sense. You know, you don't have to have experience in Philadelphia to really be a, a competitive person for this. You don't have to have urban experience. They're just looking for people that have the ability to express that passion for wanting to serve as an optometrist. Right. So just to clarify, to wrap this up, if you are interested in this program or any other early assurance program, early admission program, please... Seek out a pre-health advisor as soon as possible just to establish contact, Mm -hmm. verify that you understand what the process is, and so that we can have you in the back of our minds once that spring sophomore year application opens up because we'll want to work in sort of – want to have close contact at that point. Yeah, and I don't mind working with students beforehand, right, because I'm like, here's some things that you might want to have – done and completed before you we hit that application beyond your academics because it's a, it's a, it's hard i admit it's some, hard to know without knowing i admit some irritation when someone comes to me and says i'm interested in this early admission or early assurance program and then i ask them why and it's clear that they have no reason why other than maybe that they think it's a shortcut it's not a shortcut. Mm-hmm. And when you come talk everybody. to me, I want to hear that you've actually considered the real life implications of this yeah, opportunity sure. and not just thought, oh, I could get done faster and with doing less work. Um, that's not going to get the most positive response from me. Yeah. No, the work is is the same. It's in a different place and location. Just a different time. Okay. Slight different approach. Mm-hmm. But you, you still have to be an excellent individual applicant, student, etc. Yeah, it's not like you can get in being subpar. Not at all. And, that does and I not wanted, happen. I want to hear that you have considered all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'm going to be really excited to work with you. Yeah, it's going to be great. Yeah. All right, folks. So we want to thank you for joining us. Uh, even if you're not interested in the optometry program at Salus in particular, maybe you're applying to a different early assurance program. You can take a lot of the concepts that we covered today and apply it to some of the other early assurance programs that might be at your, if you're not a Penn Stater at your institution, if you're another campus, maybe one of the programs at your campus. So uh, like I said, I I think we're going to try and do an episode or two on some of the other early assurance programs at the various campuses across the Commonwealth, because we know we have a lot of listeners from across the 
beautiful Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. So you can look forward to those future episodes sometime in season two. And thank you again for coming back this week to the Penn State Pre-Health Podcast. The Penn State Pre-Health Podcast is a production of the Pre-Health Advising Office and the Eberly College of Science at Penn State University. It is produced, edited, and promoted by the Pre-Health Advising Team. The views, opinions, and advice shared during this podcast are that of the hosts and any guests only and do not necessarily reflect the best advice for every student at every institution for every health profession. This is a nonprofit podcast made for the purpose of better serving pre-health students across our university system. 